Well, if you would turn in the scriptures to John, the 14th chapter, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Just hold up your hand and ushers will get one to you and turn to John 14. John 14, are you there? For some weeks now, we've been on the subject of the words of Jesus. And John 14 is why. Verse 21, John 14, 21 says, He that has my commandments, Jesus is speaking, that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, a different Judas, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not unto the world? This is a mystery that many have not discerned yet. And that is that God is both a God who hides himself And he's a God who reveals himself. I'm quoting scripture on both of those. You must say a God who hides himself? Yes. He hides himself. Isaiah 45, 15 says so. Says uh, you are a God who hides himself. What does that mean? Well the question is who does he hide himself from? And who does he reveal himself to? And the answer is right here in the passage. Who does he reveal himself to? Those who receive his words and keep his words. That means you respect them, you treasure them, you remember them, and you do them. What about people that have no respect for him? Well, they can live their whole life. With no awareness of God. To them it will be like there is no God. Like God doesn't exist. And some of them are antagonistic and heady and intellectual. And they say well prove to me that there's a God. Not my job. Not yours either. Prove to me that God is real. Not my job. Not any of our jobs. You know, people tried to do Jesus that way. They said, give us a sign. He said, no sign's going to be given you. That's not how it works. People are saying, well, prove to me that God is real and I'll believe. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. People say, well, seeing is believing. If, it, if I could see, then I'd believe. That's not how it works. You believe... Then he'll show you something. You say, show me something I'll believe. And you are going to be cold and barren the rest of your life. It'll be like God doesn't even exist as far as you're concerned. Oh, but for the wise man and woman. Who'll not only believe on Jesus. But will pursue his words. And treasure them. And hold on to them. And put them into practice every day. The Lord has made a commitment to you and me that he's going to come to us and show himself to us and reveal himself to us. This is big stuff, friend. This is big. 
Put that up for us, please, in the Amplified, that 21st verse of John 14. 14.21. He said, I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. The Amplified helps define that word manifest. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Do you want to see him better? Do you want him to be more real to you? Oh, if you're a real Christian, this is a cry of your heart. Isn't it? I mean, this is, this is strong in you. For so many that do love him and have come to know him a little bit, they've resorted to begging. Please, God, show yourself to me. Please. And they think that's the way it does. But nowhere in the scripture does he say that he reveals those uh, himself to those that beg the most or the loudest or the longest. But we do have this. He reveals himself to who? Those who keep his words. If you're hungry for him, you're going to have your nose in this book. You're going to hear good teaching and preaching. And not just once in a while. You know, we talk about reading our chapter around here daily. And we've said, you know, uh, make it important. Do it together with your family, your friends. Uh, Do it out loud. And if you go weeks and you don't have a few minutes for the word, you're kidding yourself that God is first place in your life. He's just not. The more you love God, the bigger you are on the word. The two go hand in hand. You love him, you love his word. Now this is not my idea. I'm just quoting the scripture. Read it again. Verse 21. Read it again. What did he say? He that has my commandments... And keeps them. He it is. He's the one that what? How can you tell somebody loves the Lord? They are a word lover. Aren't they? Word lover. Word toter. Word quoter. And more importantly word liver. Word doer. But if you got no time for the word. You don't really love the Lord. If you don't do what he says. I don't care how much you say I love you Lord. I love you Lord. If you don't do what he says. He said. Well skip down. Read 23. So you'll know that I'm not making this up. 23 Jesus said. If a man love me. What will happen? He will keep my words. And my father will come to him. We'll come to him. And make our abode with him. We'll move in with him. Does that sound good? Glory to God. Verse 24. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings. So no matter how much you say you love the Lord. If you don't do what he says. You don't love him. That's not my idea. That's what Jesus said. Red letters. No need to get quiet. (laughs) Unless you're intending not to do his words. No, we're going to do his words. That's why we're on this series. We've been going over his words. We're not going over them to ignore them. We're going over them to remind ourselves and say, hey, do we understand this? Are we doing this? Can we do this more? And so we began in the book of John, looking at the words of Jesus. And after a few weeks now, we've made it all the way to chapter four. (laughs) Moving right along. And that's okay. 
It's not how quickly you go over something. It's are you getting it? A lot of us have read these things numerous times. And it's not, you know, do you remember it? But are you doing it? And so let's go back to chapter 4. And let's go further. Because if we'll really get a hold of these things and do them, what will happen? Come on, what will happen if we do it? Jesus will reveal himself to us. He'll make himself real to us. That excites me. In John 4, we looked at last time how Jesus met the woman at the well. And how he talked to her, asked her for a drink, dealt with her prejudice, and overcame it. And told her about her previous failed marriages and relationships. And we talked about, you know, he didn't ask her about that or bring that up to embarrass her, make her feel bad. This was something that was between her and the Lord. And it needed to be dealt with. You know, just hiding things is not dealing with things. Just covering it up and hiding it and pretending it didn't happen is not dealing with it. Bible didn't say, hide your sins. What did it say? Confess. Right? Confess. Deal with it. Deal with it. Confess it. Lay it out. And don't make excuses. Don't blame it on this one or that one. Be a man. Be a woman. Take responsibility. So many times people start out with a perfectly good confession or repentance and then they mess it up. They go, well, I guess maybe I did wrong. But so-and-so didn't help me and and other so-and-so really caused me a problem and if it hadn't been for them, then I'd, I'd have probably been all right. And And some people think it's okay anyhow. You know, some people do that. They don't see anything wrong with it. You haven't repented. You're not repenting at all. And you're not going to get free. You're stuck. He talked to her about all her mistakes. And you can tell she's having a breakthrough. And then when he tells her about God is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And she said, if you skip on down a few verses there, she said, you know, when Messiah comes, who's called Christ, he's going to tell us everything. He's going to tell us all things. Verse 25. And in verse 26, Jesus said to her, I that speak unto you am he. I'm him. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one that was to come. To save the whole world. And in this book, you'll see these great I am statements. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. They're similar in many respects. John is called the different gospel account. It's different from the first three. And you can see it right off the bat. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story begins with a baby. In a manger. John doesn't start that way. How does John start? Anybody know? In the beginning. Not in the manger. In the beginning. Was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And we see the Word became flesh. Dwelt among us. Glory to God. He's going way back before the manger. He's going back 
before the earth while the spirit moved over the face of the deep. The I am was and is. In the book of John, let me just remind you, there's some seven I am statements in this gospel account. In John 6.35, you don't have to turn to these, just listen. John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, he said, I am the light of the world. Can you say yes? John 10.7, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. Is he? Is he the door? John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Glory to God. John eleven twenty five, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Is he? Yes. yes. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is he yes. the one? Yes. Is he the I am? Glory to God. John 15, 1, he said, I am the true vine. You know what's good about that? You're a branch. <laughs> You're a branch coming right out of the true vine. Woo! How many know that the branch that's on the vine, that whatever's flowing in the vine is in the branch? The eternal life that's in Jesus is flowing in you, flowing in me. All the life force of the I am is in us. Oh, there's so much we need to find out about this. But you can believe it and shout about it by faith, even before you understand it. He said, I am. I am the one. Verse 27, John 4. 27. Upon this, his disciples came and marveled that he talked with the woman. They thought that was strange. Yet, none of them said, what are you seeking or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot. She forgot about why she came. She's excited. (laughs) And she went her way to the city and said to the men, come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. These are all the men of the city. And if you read the rest of the chapter, I mean the whole town came out. Now this is an interesting comparison and contrast. In chapter 3, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and he talked to him. He's a man. He's a man of standing, an important man. He's an educated man. But he comes by night in the dark. And he's a secret disciple. And you don't hear much about people turning to the Lord through him. Here's a woman, probably uneducated, who's made a mess of her life. (laughs) Probably got a bad reputation. But she's talking to Jesus right in the middle of the day. Out at the public well. And she overcomes her past. And she takes off. And the Lord uses her to turn her whole city to the Lord. Her whole town. You may not have the degree. You may not know everything. But if you'll be bold about Jesus, it won't be ashamed. You can overcome any past. You can be used of the Lord to see fruit and harvest far beyond what educated folks who are ashamed will ever see. 
Nothing wrong with education. Nothing wrong with development. Nothing wrong with being favored and being promoted. But if you're going to be timid and hide your faith in Jesus, you won't be used. Got to be bold. You know who gets used of God? What kind of people? It's the people that show up. The people that are not too busy. The people that don't have something else going on. (laughs) That's right. It's not complicated. Many are called. Few are chosen. Why? Because few respond. You know, Jesus gave the example of how uh, the master called for his supper. And one gave this excuse. And he said, I can't come. I've just bought some land. I can't come. I've bought some equipment. i got to tell you, I can't come. I just got married. They had something else going on. They had a life. And that's the biggest hindrance to you and I doing the will of God is our life. Hmm? Too busy. And it made the master angry. He said, those that were first invited, they're not worthy. He said, go out into the highways and byways and get them to come in. So they went and found people in cardboard boxes. And they said, you want to come to the Master's Supper? And he said, let me check my schedule. Yeah, I can come. (laughs) He had no schedule. They're the highways and byways. They're hanging out on a street corner. But that's the people that got in. The people that showed up, that came, they weren't too busy. They didn't have too much else going on. When the master calls, everything ought to be set aside. Right? Everything ought to be moved to the back and do his will, do his plan. Now, you know, nearly everybody will agree with that, but millions are not doing it. They're not doing it. Well, you can't control them, but you can control you. So, Jesus' disciples had left to get him something to eat. Verse 31, they said, Jesus, Master, eat. Here's your food, we got it. He said to them, I have meat. Now, in the King James Bible, when it says meat, it means food. A lot of times they'll call wheat meat. I know that sounds strange, but even grains, they'll call it meat. It just simply means food. If they're talking about meat like we think of, they'll use the word flesh. So he's just talking about food. He said, I have food to eat that you know not of. His disciples said to one another, did somebody bring him something to eat? While we were, <laughs> we were out going to get him something and before we got back, somebody brought him something to eat. Jesus said, verse 34, now have you got your eyes on this? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, these are the words of Jesus. This is why we're doing this, right? Words of Jesus. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. Now don't miss this. Don't look at this and go, well, yeah, boy, Jesus was spiritual. He was spiritual. He lived in another world from us. No. He's telling us how to live. He's our example. There is spiritual hunger. Just like there's natural hunger. Spiritual desire. Just like there is natural physical desire. And this is a source of great 
confusion and people are missing in this area. Trying to satisfy spiritual hunger with natural things. Virtually everyone's done it. Some form of fashion. But some people live their whole life this way. That's why people become gluttonous. That's why they become drunkards. Drug addicts. Sex addicts. Shopaholics. I'm serious. Why don't people stop? When for every reason it should be enough or too much already. Why do they keep going? They're trying to satisfy something spiritual. There's an unfulfilled thing in them. There's a desire. There's a hunger. And food can't touch it. And drink and drug can't touch it. Nothing natural can fill it. Oh, but when you fill that spiritual desire with the spiritual answer, it's so powerful It can make you forget your natural appetites, at least temporarily. (laughs) Phyllis said in between the services, she said, you got to talking about that, reminded me of when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Talking about her. I remember it well. I grew up Pentecostal. Phyllis grew up Catholic. When we first got married, I was seeking to be filled with the Spirit. We didn't know about receiving. We knew how to tarry. So I did a lot of tarrying. And Phyllis came with me to the revivals. Bless her heart. She wondered what she got into. And because, you know, the Catholics didn't do like that. Not the bunch she was with. And, and so, uh, you know, revival meeting, the service the preacher might get through preaching, 9 o'clock or whatever, and you'd be invited to come to the altar. We'd all start tarrying. Man, sometimes I'd start tearing at 9 o'clock. I'd still be tearing at midnight. Sometimes tearing 1 or 2 in the morning. I was hungry. Didn't know how to receive. Well, Phyllis, bless her heart, she'd be back there waiting on me. Finally, she started praying. She said, God, whatever it is he wants. (laughs) Would you please give it to him? Because... (laughs) And then... She said, well, you know, maybe it's me. You know, I'm new to this. Maybe I'm hindering him some way. So she came up to the altar herself. And so uh, they told her, you know, what you need to do is you need to be rebaptized. Well, at that point, we're ready to try anything. And when you got baptized with this group, I mean, it's now. And it was cold, but it was out in a pond. We all left the church. And it was what, 11 o'clock at night? About like last Sunday. Cold. It was. We went way out in the woods. This little old dirty, muddy pond. Cold. And on the way over, the pastors, which good for them, they were telling her, now, uh, when you go down, just believe when you come up, you receive the Holy Ghost. Just believe you receive the Holy Ghost. Well, she didn't know any better than just believe it. Thank God. And so uh, when they went out into the pond, she said, when she stepped into the water, she didn't even feel it. It felt warm to you. felt like a bathtub to her. And it was cold. When the pastor baptized her, while you're still under the water, she started talking in tongues as she's coming up. Oh, man, the pastor shouted out there in the pond, 
You thought there was a giant catfish out there. So, boy, there was flopping <laughs> and splashing. And it's dark. You couldn't see anything, you know. <laughs> but she, she got filled. Now, what are we talking about? If you're hungry, what are you not? You're not full. She got filled. She got full. She came home. And I'm telling you, I was there. I was there with her for days. She didn't need to sleep. She didn't need to eat. She wasn't hungry. Could care less. Didn't need it. Glory to God. Why? When your spirit gets full, it's stronger than the natural. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Can you see that's what Jesus is talking about? He was thirsty. He asked the lady for some water to drink. You remember that? He's hungry. Why did he stop there and sit by the well? He's probably tired. He's thirsty. He's hungry. But when this woman comes along, Jesus was always at the right place at the right time, wasn't he? And the Lord gave him the word for her, gave him this word of knowledge and revelation concerning her. And oh my That bondage of all her failed marriages and mess of a life. She was set free from that. Glory to God. And then she took off like a flame of fire and set her whole town on fire. Brought them all to Jesus. And that satisfied Jesus in his spirit. Oh, come on. Can you see that? Doing the will of God satisfies you in your spirit. Oh, can you see it? He said, I got food to eat you don't know about. Of course, them being natural, they thought natural. Well, somebody brought him some food. But no, he wasn't talking about it. Read the next verse. And he describes the thing that filled him up and satisfied him. He said, verse 34, my food is what? Let's get it exactly like he said it now. Because this is the same thing that will fill us up. My food is what? To do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Is that what will satisfy you? Oh, it is. Let me read that to you from another translation. The Good News translation says, My food, Jesus said to them, is to obey the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work He gave me to do. Now, here's the benefit of fasting. Though you can't satisfy a spiritual hunger with a natural thing, you can dull it and obscure it through excess and satiation, gluttony or or drunkenness. Remember, Jesus talked about that. He said, don't let that day take your wares through surfeiting. What does that mean? Surfeiting and drunkenness. That means if you yield to the flesh a bunch, it'll make you dull. You won't be aware of stuff. And it will dull you to spiritual hunger. Oh, there's been times with all of us where you knew in your spirit you ought to go study the Word or you ought to go pray. But instead, you ate two bags of tater chips and a bunch of fried chicken and <laughs> watch three hours of TV. And that won't satisfy your spirit, but it'll dull you. So that you're not as aware of your spiritual hunger. 
And fasting, some people have missed it in this area, fasting won't change God. And fasting won't move God. Did you hear me now? People have missed it on that. Oh, I'm going to fast for, you know, 20 days and get God to do this. No, you're not. God's going to be the same before you fast, while you fast, and after you fast. You're not changing Him. And you don't need to. He's for you already. Before you fast, He's for you. He wants to bless you. But fasting will help you. It'll help you while you ignore the hunger or the appetite of the natural. It makes you more aware of the spiritual. That's the thing that'll help you. And all of us need to do some of that. And not just fasting food. Sometimes fasting entertainment, fasting your hobbies, fasting stuff you like to do, and just getting quiet, waiting on Him. Instead of a bunch of noise and racket. And your flesh is wanting to run off and do this. Run off and go shopping. Run off and yak on the phone for three hours or whatever it is. And fast it. And just pull aside and get quiet. Oh, the things you'll see. The things will become real to you. So aren't we talking about Jesus becoming more real to us? Well, here his words are directing us that way. He said, I got food to eat that you don't know about. What's his food? To do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Will that satisfy us deep inside? Oh, my, my. The older I get, because I'm not old yet, but I said older than I was. I, You know, we were able to go on vacation this year. Real nice place. Be on the beach and in the middle of wintertime. I, that's cool. You know, that's nice. But... I'm not there a few days. I get tired of it. Because I ain't going to get any fruit laying on this beach. I won't get any reward for laying on the beach. It's nice. It's great. But oh, we're over in New Mexico last week. And it wasn't the beach. But the Spirit of God moved. Families got changed. Miracles happened. And I'm flying back the next day coming in. Man, I like that. I'm flying back with my spiritual belly full. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I won't go a day or two and I'm, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Phyllis knows I can't stay around the house very long. I got to go. Thank God for that jet. Oh, man. I can be on the other side of the country, preach like a house of fire, come back, time for supper. I mean, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And that satisfies. I mean, Phyllis, the same way I am. Especially, it seems like the older we get and the more we develop. Man, we just that way. I mean, yeah, we enjoy stuff and nice things. But, you know, it really, that won't satisfy you. We found out it can't and it won't. But we found out what will. Oh, when you're, when you're at the right place at the right time. And, and you got the right word. And the anointing comes. And answers come. And lives are changed. Oh. Oh, that satisfies you deep down. Glory to God. Now let's go further and you see precisely what the will of the one who sent him is. He gives further clarification. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Verse 35. Say not ye, 
There are yet four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. What's the will of him that sent him? What's the work that he sent him and all of us to do? It's to get this harvest in. That's the work. That's the work. Every generation, there's a new crop of human beings come up. Aren't there? Little ones that are born into the earth. Little boys, little girls. And they grow up. And they become adults. And there's a whole harvest ready to be reaped in. Be born again. Come to God. And that's the number one thing that's going on on the planet. And every one of us have a part to play in reaping the harvest. Do you believe it? Not just a few preachers here and there. Every one of us has a part. You have a part. Say, I have a part. And there is nothing in this world will satisfy you like you do in your part to help get this harvest in. Do you believe it? He said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. Don't say later on, soon. No, he said right now. He that reap receives wages and gathers fruit to life eternal, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. Herein is that saying true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you're entered into their labors. I was thinking about wheat harvest, particularly. Which a lot of times is what they're talking about. When they say corn in the King James, it's usually talking about wheat, not corn like we think corn. But the principle is the same, whether it's soybeans, corn, wheat. When it comes harvest time, let's say wheat harvest. You got combine drivers, but they're not by any stretch the only ones working. You had mechanics working on those combines, getting them ready before they started. You got people that's got to work on them and keep them up. I mean, if the thing breaks down, you're not going to be reaping. And you got people that drive the trucks and haul the combines to the field. And you got the people that haul the trailers. And, and so the people got to work on the trucks and the trailers and all the gear. And somebody has got to make some biscuits and cornbread. <laughs> and beans and chicken. Because the combine might run off diesel fuel, but the driver don't. And somebody's got to wash them dirty clothes when they come in. And give them a place to sleep. And I mean, there are people all, I mean, how many people are involved in the harvest? Everybody. Everybody's doing something that's contributing to it some way. And friend, that's the mentality we got to have. Everybody can do something. It's not enough for you just to make your money. It's not enough just for you to raise your family. It's not enough just for you to, you know, reach your retirement. No, that's not going to fill you up. That's not going to satisfy you inside. You'll never make enough money to be really satisfied in your spirit. You can never have enough fun when you're retired to be satisfied in your spirit. You'll only be satisfied when you're eating that spiritual food of doing His will and finishing His work and reaping this harvest. Glory to God. These word senders are doing some of this. 
I mean, everything that's going on in the ministry here and churches like us and ministries like us all over the world. I was thinking about how God has multiplied the ability to harvest. You know, back years ago, a man or his family, his boys, his neighbors, his daughters, they'd do good to uh, handle 40 acres, 60 acres, 100 acres. I mean, when you're doing it all with a mule and a steel plow, it just takes a lot of time. It's hard. Now the same number of people can reap a thousand acres. And God's done the same thing for us spiritually, hasn't he? I mean, right here in this very country, preachers used to ride around on their horses with their Bible in the little dusty saddlebag, circuit preach. I mean, take them two days, get somewhere and preach to ten people, right? But if they hadn't sown that seed, you and I wouldn't be here today. People, you know, grandmas and daddies reading their Bible to their families and praying by an old wood stove. and they, That's what Jesus is talking about. Others have sown. And now, glory to God, we're getting to enter into the fruits of their labors. And whereas they're reaping 10 or 15 and working all day just to get to the next county, now, glory to God, we got big auditoriums and we got plenty of money and we got cameras and TV broadcasts and internet and downloads and jet airplanes and in the same effort we can reach a hundred thousand that they reach twenty five people. Oh, what a privileged generation we are. What a blessed people we are to live in this time and this hour. But friend, we must not let days come and days go and our life pass us by being unsatisfied because all we're doing is living. Because we're not put down here just to live. We're put down here to help in this great Can you close your eyes and see the fields waving? (laughs) Can you see all over the planet the fields waving? I mean, at first you see their wheat stalks, but the closer you look, they're people. Oh, my, my, they're people. They're black people and brown people and yellow people and red people and white people. And they're millions of them, millions of them, millions of them, millions of them. And the Lord is using me and you and millions like us. Oh, we can't do everything, but we can do our part. I said we can do our part. It may be washing overalls. It may be tightening lug nuts. It may be cooking biscuits, but it's something. We can do something. We can do something to help this great harvest machine reap the harvest. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Said out loud, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. He is the one. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And he is my Lord. I am confident the most important thing going on in this whole planet is the harvest of human beings. To come to you, show me what I can do. Show me my part, how I can help with the harvest. Hallelujah.
Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.